It's a pleasure to have the opportunity to um to speak to you today. Thank you. It's my pleasure too. So um let me let me just just ask you, I guess, like how did you find yourself in the world of showbiz? And I say showbiz because you know you're multifaceted. Not only are you a successful actress, but you're also a successful singer. Uh, well, it started with music. I come from a musical family. Okay. And your being, I guess, your mom was a singer, correct? That's correct, right? My mom, my natural father, and my stepfather <laughs> were, were uh, musicians. Yeah, my my um, my natural father was a big band leader who was very well known by the name of Teddy Hill. And uh, my stepfather was a piano player, um, not as well known, but a musician, yes. A, a piano player, and singer, artist, musician, composer. So where did, I guess, where did the, the acting part come in? By accident. <laughs> <laughs> Down along the way, I was trying to get started as a musician in one of the recording sessions that I was singing back up on because I started to be a studio musician myself was for the uh, Broadway musical Hair. They were still casting. And uh, they invited us all down to sing for the producer and the director. Um, nobody else on the date was interested, but I was, so I got my first Broadway show from a recording session. Wow. And my first Broadway show was Hair. That, that's a huge, that's a huge first to get. It's a huge break. <laughs> Yeah. So what, what made you feel, I guess, comfortable taking the, the risk to actually attempt to do it? Because clearly uh, the other your colleagues, the people you were working with, they didn't seem, you said they didn't seem interested. What led you to be interested in it? Well, for one thing, I, I, they, they really basically wanted strong singers and they were still casting. And they said that if any of them had come down to sing for the producer or the director, they would find a place for you. So it wasn't really an audition. There was no risk. Oh, okay. So he's yeah. a shoo-in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, they were looking for strong singers, and the uh, recording session was all the music from the Broadway show here that the, um, the music director was also the lead performer on the recording session. And um, he was also the music director and the composer of the show. So they would have created parts for all of us if, if everybody else was interested, but they weren't interested in that. And for one thing, we only got paid like union scale, which was only like $130 a week. Wow. That ain't no money now, is it? No, not at well, all. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and at that time we got like, I forget how much we got, but we got good money per hour during recording sessions. Oh. So actually you would lose money to do it. Oh, but I'm, I'm guessing you, be, you being a visionary, you probably see an opportunity to sort of, you know, expand your brand. Well, I didn't have a brand yet. It was an opportunity to create a brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> create a brand. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we've had a number of different artists actually come onto the platform. And one of the things that I'd like to ask them is that, you know, I think sometimes as a person that's creative or an artist, it can be challenging to maintain your creative juices while having to deal with the business element of being a creative. So, for you and you know, in your experience, have you been able to sort of um, to juggle both, or is it also a challenge for you as well to manage both? It's a great, great, great challenge staying off of welfare. Mm. That ain't no joke. I've been on welfare. <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's very difficult uh and nobody kind of gives you a lead or, or gives you information how just basic business or basic budget works or sales or um yeah um how 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 do you get your product out you know that's why everybody tells you that you have to have an agent what if you don't have an agent yeah uh what if you do have an agent uh, you know how do you live until you make a living <laughs> yeah, yeah you kind of have to um map these things out or you have a lot of pits pitfalls along the way and so most people even if they have regular jobs have not been taught enough about how creating your financial life works so we have our greatest challenges very often by the the um the budgetary parts of it so yeah. that's very 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 difficult but um i'm as as i continue to get you know um security and evenness in, in my life i'm going to be sharing a lot of information on how everybody doesn't doesn't matter if you're in the business or not can just know the, know the basics about how finances work that's that's kind of a thing you know we say well you know um what's your craft you know how you, how do you get started with that how do you get better at it those things are important but very important is not only how do you make a living and how do you live while you're doing that but how do you stay in control of it because somebody somebody else runs that for you usually agents and managers do that yeah and you don't you don't know how to do that that's a part of you they control and that's a part of you that usually creates a pitfall where you you lose the whole thing mm. do you, you think that's it Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> People who have known about business and finance and and um that part of it very often um try to keep it a secret from you. And um and it's it's not peculiar to their business. It's it's common to any and every business. Everybody first thing everybody needs to know, everybody has to know that and they have to know that for themselves and they have to be in control of it for themselves even if you're 10 years old. Mm. There's no age limit to that. And you agree with you probably know from some experience by I mean, yeah, 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 no, it's yeah, it's it's almost like you have to touch the stove and get burned to learn, but it, it's unfortunate. Cuz nobody tells you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know we especially with entertainment, we think it's some kind of a fairy tale. Oh. It's like everything else. I mean, yeah. I think it's important for everybody to be told that so they look for it. You know, and you know when you're starting to what how am I going to eat? You know, ask that question. Yes. Yeah. And then answer it. <laughs> I think, you know, I I think one of the things for um and I'm not I'm not an entertainer, so you know, I don't I don't really know from that perspective, but I think one of the things that I've always felt was like one of the trappings of probably being an entertainer is that, you know, you always feel like or always getting a sense of that it's all the money or whatever it is is always going to be there. So it may not necessarily be as watchful of an eye on it as somebody who is penny pinching, right? Like and I and, and just to give you an example, like my wife and I, we have an organization that we own and we operate. And when our organization was much smaller, there was less uh seepage in terms of financial stuff because we would count coins very right. close. But as the organization grew, you know, and you're not such in like financial hardship, you take your eye kind of off of that aspect of it because you're constantly, you know, in the back of your mind you're like all right, the money is there, it's going to be there until it's not there. And I think that that sort of creates like this false sense of security 
that lulls creative artists or whoever it may be into believing like, all right, I know it's gonna be there. And then you don't realize that it's not there until it's actually a rainy day or it's raining. And then that's when, you know, the reality comes, sets in and you're like, all right, I have to, I have to have this financial literacy or I have to learn, you know, what the agents, the managers are actually doing um, part. And, and the part of what you say is, is, you say when you're penny pinching, it's not only when you're penny pinching. The reason why people who have, say, what we call regular jobs or jobs that have um, a, a foreseeable season, because you know how long that season is, and that's how long the paycheck is. <laughs> that's true. And, and what you brought out is so very, very important. If you're going to be an entertainer, you've got to know when the seasons are. Are you, are you working for two weeks? It, uh, it's not going to automatically come back. You have to create it. You've got to go out and get it again. Or if it does come back, it's still limited. How long is the season for you? And plan for that. Strategize financially for that. Yeah. I, everybody, I, everybody can do it. I don't care how, how, how young you are. You can do that. If somebody just teaches you the basic, just like if, it's, if, if you're old enough to learn uh, how to count to 100, you can be taught that principle. I give you a candy, uh, you give me a penny. <laughs> it's, it's, you're going to give me another one? How long are you going to keep doing this? Okay, you had too much. It's time for dinner. Those, those are cycles of seasons. But you brought that up, and I'm, I've been saying things, but... Uh, as I'm becoming more kind of um, cognizant of what I've experienced over all these years, I want to put it into a, a form and a simple one so that if you're a toddler, you could understand because it's that simple. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I feel like in terms of like the entertainment industry, there's been some sort of evolution in terms of where artists, creatives, or, or they are attempting to have more control over the business aspect of you know the, the dealings of the business but the thing is like it seems like when artists understand one aspect they sort of switch up the game right so if now artists are taking ownership and control of you know what i'm my agent i do my own bookings or whatever it is then you have situations where um people will say well you know we only can book people or book an agency or something like that like it, it's almost like it's designed for the i don't think i don't think it's i don't think you can talk about it in a blanket way that way but there are sections of it and there may be levels of it and you have to try to figure out what level are you um because you might be, begin, be beginning but you might be on an a-lister i don't know yeah. As, and they each function in kind of a certain way. Like if, if and and you may be part of a, a or or you may be looking at a certain elite group who function a certain way. Because like you're saying, you know, um, they change the game up. Who changes the game up? And and these days is marvelous because it's it's so broad and it's so wide. How many followers you got? Five million? One person can have that. Yeah. So you've got that many followers. You got that that. Um, that's your company. That's your base. Yeah. So uh, it's broad enough for you to create a system for yourself, and that's today's world. I think it's what what I would call being an old schooler, uh, an independent market, um, kind of where everybody can have a portion that they're in charge of and supply certain things. And so you, it doesn't have to be well. They change the game up on you because you can change the game up. But you have to learn the games and the, the uh, exactly a few different ways that they can work and what's going to you have to figure out, try out, find out what which is going to uh, be for you and at what stage because 
uh, the beginner stage is not the middle stage, and the middle stage is not the, the latter stage. And I, I'm, I don't know what stage I, I'm in, because I keep starting over, but I'm already a senior citizen, so what stage am I? It depends on, on you and what the community and what the world is doing at the same time, yeah. too. And right now, it's very diverse, so I don't want to just go with what you're saying, oh, they changed the game up on me, because there are so many games, and there's some basic ways that everything still works. Mm. And we also have Google, so you can get information. You're not tied down to just a small community that you're in to, for that information. Definitely, definitely. Um, let's talk about stardom. You know, like stardom happens for some people overnight. There are many people who have, they just wake up one morning and boom, they took off overnight success. Do you feel that you were prepared for stardom? And if not, what, what is it that you wish somebody would have told you? I think I think I was prepared for stardom. That's why it keeps happening to me. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> That's a good thing. And no, I was not prepared for it because I kept getting broke. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the business element is always going to be there. But I think I'm beginning to think now at this latter stage of uh, by having a career that is and a calling and um, um, that fame is um, not afforded to everybody. You can work, you can be talented, you can have this, that, 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 that. You still might not get it. That's true. I don't know that there is a, um, maybe there is, I don't know. I think I think some people, for instance, I think Clive Davis understands how it works. So he's been with all some of the different types of, so it's not an accident with him, but it's also a gift. I don't think everybody can just get up what he does, even if they worked as hard as he did. Yeah, I agree. This, I'm going to ask you, this may sound like a, um, a, a cliche question, but just because you're talking about fame, like what, so what is the price of fame? What comes with fame? The good and the bad? Fame? That's a good question. I think one of the most important parts of fame is what part of it must you have as private? And what part of it are you going to allow to be shared with any or everybody? Is anything private now though in this day and age? Yes, it is. <laughs> and I won't tell you. If you would not let it be, it would not be. And that's what fame is, uh, understanding how that works, or learning how it works if you can. And of course, you know, I don't know about other people, I want it. I want to keep what I have. Mm -hmm. I want it to continue. So I want it to, to, to learn how it works. But I don't want it to destroy me or my family. I don't want it to spoil me. Or, you know, misinform me. I don't want it to, um, destroy me or did I just say that <laughs> yeah has there ever been a time where you was like you know what I don't, I, I'd rather not have the fame or I don't want fame? absolutely because learning about how it works uh, part of it, it is just the human condition you're in a community and you learn from each other and um, every human being is limited so whatever you learn from somebody else some part of it is not going to work sometime. So, knowing that, 
how do you hold on to it? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to call it a mystery. I don't think anybody's ever figured it out. Yeah. I don't think, I think people are constantly, you know, I'm, I'm sure, they're, 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 I can imagine the pros and cons, you know, of it. I think that there are some people that, that still are trying to figure out, they may have fame. And, and I also feel like in this digital age and this reality TV age, it's very easy to get famous, you know, but some people are famous not right. necessarily for the right things. Exactly, and there's, there's much more even to it than what you're saying, but I think that's a great way to kind of give an example of how it is, for instance, today, right now. What is it going to be like 20 years from now? Mm. Yeah. I mean, time, and who knows? <laughs> yeah, once upon a time, there had to be some talent associated with fame, right? I think there is now. But it, it, it may seem like it's not, because in some ways it's so easy to be famous. Yeah. But I think there's great, great, great talent out there. But then I like talent, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to find person. it, I guess. Uh, I say you're a talented person, so you know, yeah, you have that, that perspective. Well, but I mean, I think the reason I have some talent is because I've worked and honed it. It wasn't always there. I mean, it, my, the potential was there. But um, it's like you're saying when you're scraping for pennies. Mm -hmm you don't throw money away. True. Uh, and then that gives you the opportunity to grow into the wisdom of how to actually prosper. Mm -hmm. So some things that may not seem like talent, talent, if you would hone them, if you would, and, and make you have the other pieces that you need to, to, to uh, you know, format it, it would develop into something that, like a baby would, you almost want to be until it grows up. That's what I think it could be. Yeah, there's a there's a saying in sports that a lot of you know a lot of coaches say where they say you know hard work and good work ethic sometimes can surpass natural talent. But you know st stepping outside from the outside looking, Miss um, Moore, you're a person who is you're extremely talented. There are few people on this earth that have the gifts that you have. You know, and I think probably you being you, you may not realize like there are people who would love to be on Broadway. You've had the opportunity to be on Broadway, be on television, be in movies, be Grammy nominated, win a Tony. You've had all, you have all these accolades bestowed upon you. Yes, it's through hard work, but also I'm here to give you your kudos and say you're, you're a talented person. I, re I received that. <laughs> I received it. I, I guess sometimes too, um, you're working so hard at, especially if it kind of comes and you, you don't have the mechanism to support it. Mm -hmm. You're so focused and working so hard on doing the job and getting it done, and and then um, you may not uh, appreciate your talent because you you know it didn't come to you easily. You're working and you, you focused on that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I appreciate it, but it's also regardless of what what stage or what perspective you look at it. You can't see yourself the way others do, so you need that. Other, I don't know. You need that other perspective. Very true. Tell us what it was like um, winning a Tony. How did it? How did it feel <laughs> winning Tony and your work on Parley? <laughs> I watched the uh, video of it, and I looked like a deer caught in the headlights. <laughs> well, you 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 weren't expecting to win. It was one of those situations where you was like, all right, I'm 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 showing up, but you didn't think that you had a shot at winning. No, I didn't exactly really know what it was. Oh, so it was a lot 
going on. <laughs> back now, no, now I can look back and say, oh, how wonderful it was, but how it felt, no. It felt like, first of all, the gentleman called somebody else's first name and my last name. Oh, yeah, 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 I, I, I did see that. I didn't quite understand the categories. There was so much confusion, I didn't prepare a speech. And even with the Tony Award in my hands, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> those, those are the best speeches come from that though, because then it comes sincerely from the heart. Like, you know, you wasn't expecting it. It's an amazing accolade to have. Well, that's if you're looking at it, if you're doing it. Very true. You feel like, oh my God, I don't, I don't have nothing to say. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes thank you is just enough. Sometimes thank I, you. I, I believe, looking back, it was it was enough. Um, from a professional's vantage point, and again, I'm I'm not a trained actor. I know nothing about this. Can you tell me the difference between working as an actress on Broadway versus working as an actress on a film? Like, what is what? Oh yeah. Yeah, like how does how does that work? in terms of like even anything like rehearsal lines all of those things it's hugely different because um <clears throat> in theater you may take scenes and pages and you work with the other actors and uh, you work on how you're going to enter what part of the stage you're going to call, go to and uh, you work with your pops in video or film um the basic difference is that the camera magnifies everything or changes the perspective so, um, you know, you might do one thing. Say, we're shooting everything from the front here. Somebody might take it and shoot it from that side. Shoot it from that side. Shoot it from the back. And you, you do it all those different times. And then they shoot, they switch from whatever angle they want. Um, the biggest difference that I saw, especially if I was singing, was I didn't have to sing so loud. I didn't have to reach the <laughs> And I'm, I'm telling it in a funny way because the experiences happen once or once you're a star, or once you're out there, these happy awards. Mm. You know, uh, you're you're learning how to make these adjustments, you know, with yeah. uh, little or no rehearsal. <laughs> is there is there more pressure on you know like being on stage on Broadway versus doing a film? Yeah. Yeah, because everything is immediate, and you have that once one chance in terms of the performance. Mm -hmm. If you're on film, you can do it again. That's hugely different. Mm -hmm. So you you know you don't have like you know jitters or something like that. You may be confused, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you're not nervous. Like you could lose your throat because you're so nervous. Yeah. It's so so uh, I wonder is it, is it easier to go from being an actor on stage to film, then going from an actor on film to transition to stage? And if so, why? I'm not sure, but I think it would be easier to go from stage to film, because you go from the hole and doing it all, and costumes and everything that you have to adjust to, to another, break it all down, you take one little scene, you just focus on that. That's gotta be easier. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would imagine too, because I I just envision like somebody on film, like I could see somebody being 
lazy with their lines and like, oh, throw me the line. But on stage, you have all that pressure, all those lights on you. Like, I associate stage with like constant rehearsal and having right. to be perfect. You're absolutely right. Because once you get up there, it's like it's actually happening live and you don't get a do over. What is, what, is, what are your thoughts? I mean, because you, when you think about like the, the stuff you participated in on stage, like, you know, Pearly, Hair, you did um, Les Miserables also, right? It's pronounced Les Miserables. Les, Mi Les, Mi Les Miserables. You, black people can't say that because it's about the French Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you, you did that also. What do, you, what do you think about, I guess, coming from like big, big, features like that to now seeing well now he's he's actually surpassed and evolved also but to what Tyler Perry was doing in his infancy with like Medea plays and like just the different kind of stage plays that we see people of color now mm -hmm. the productions they're putting on I think it's 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 the development of our culture into all of the media that are available to us as Americans mm -hmm. Tyler Perry is is the uh how can I call it of the the earlier days, you know, uh, uh, theater directors and uh, um, I'm trying to think of the, the gentleman who, who directed Hello, Dolly and um, um, Chicago and all of those uh, major uh, musicals and, and pieces before. And then, you know, the, um, the, the film directors. Um, Tyler Perry is, is, is the mogul of, of that of, of our culture, the Medea syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's, he's taking the uh, the little gospel play and selling his little videotapes out of his trunk mm -hmm. uh, uh, to filling theaters, uh, to taking it to his own uh, uh, film company in, in, in um, television, uh, partnering with, with Miss Oprah. He's yeah. taking it to the to the little suite and the big. He's taking it as far as an American can. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he definitely, he definitely has. There are some, there are some plays that seem to do very well, like on Broadway and off Broadway, but they don't translate well to, um, to movies. And one of the, one of the most recent ones that people were extremely critical of is Cats. I don't know if you saw Cats, the movie, but why do you think some Broadway productions don't translate well to film? I'm, I'm not. I mean, I haven't seen Cats since the first time that it was out, so. But it seems like uh, <clears throat> it might be, you have to do a musical or, or, or a piece that's um, not a musical. Yeah, a musical. When you, when, you, when you translate it to film, um, there are little connecting pieces that, that have to be there or it's not going to translate because when, uh, when you leave the stage and you change sets and scenes, there has to be something in the film that fills that space. That's one small thing. Um, I, I think one thing that was really great about Pearly is that most people never realize um, there was a, they think they saw the play because it was a play that was filmed. So young people like you who might have seen Pearly, you didn't see the play, you saw the, the video. And nobody ever mentions that because they didn't try to do it as a film. They did it as a play. Mm. That's a great point. 
that's a that's a great point. You so you recently um released the twenty eighth twenty your twenty eighth album. How does someone stay passionate about their craft, passionate about the the, the music? Mm. Twenty eight mm. albums in. Uh, well, you have these challenges that keep threatening you, and so you have to keep starting over. Where there are pieces of it that are not there, so you have to refurbish them. It's, it's like you have a big mansion, and you have to keep refurbishing and, and um, uh, um, repairing it and building it back up. And, and you know, it's not all happening at once. So I don't think you, you get as tired because you take it in small pieces. But also, uh, I, I, maybe maybe that's it. Because if it all happened at once and you had to do it all at once. I think you you would burn out, but there's all these little parts that you can keep working on, so you get some variety, and so, then the, the the community and the world keeps changing too. So do you? I guess do because it seems like to me like resilience is a big part of your story. Do you do you believe like um, what keeps you motivated is the reboot, like the restart? I I believe it is, and of course what I'm trying to articulate you're much more articulate than I am is that you don't do that by yourself it was up to me to do it I, I don't know you know because but I'm the only one to get to talk about it so it looks like I'm doing it <laughs> well I said you know what life, life is life is your muse you know like if you if you have these different predicaments that you're in that put you in a position that makes you say you know what well, well I feel I'm being challenged because of whatever is going on in my life you know, it's time for me to to, to restore and renew and step yeah. back, and you know that that creates material for you. That's a wonderful thing to be able to incorporate yes. life into into your art. You know, to me, the best art that I usually consume from artists is when you can tell, like when there's their passion, their life is in it. You know, like yeah. I've seen so many artists, or I've seen movies where I can tell them, like, all right, this person is doing this movie because for financial purposes, this is not who yeah. they are as an actor. Yep. Or this person made this album because it was a contract. They were contractually obligated. Like this is not what yeah. they want to yeah. do. But then there are other times where you be like, man, this person's heart and soul is really yeah. in this, and that's when I think their craft seems to shine the most. And I think you see that in my work because um, each project, especially over the last ten or fifteen years, has been like that. There've been independent ones. They haven't been with one label or one person where. You have one set of requirements or requests made from you, so you literally are dealing with each person, and through them, you are recreating yourself, some portion of yourself that has a fresh start because they're asking this from you. Yeah. And you know, even if the same thing was asked from you, if it was asked from a different person, that's almost like going to another planet. I mean, that's the way it feels to me. Each person is like a fingerprint. So um, some of the things may be easy and they, they, they come easily, but not the person. Mm. Yeah. They are the refreshing entity. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's amazing how different people could pull, you know, people could talk to you about the same things, but different people could pull different things from you. You know, I say like some people can provoke different emotions or provoke different type of artistry. From, from you, so it, you know, and, and many many times be the same subject. You you might not even know you even felt that way, but the person because they did it that way or, or brought something, 
you discovered this about yourself, and I think this is what I'm, I'm you have said it so well, how because of the interaction with other people, you get to uh, organically discover and reinvent something about yourself that keeps, mm -hmm. keeps it fresh. Yeah, that's, to me, that speaks to your vulnerability also to kind of allow another yeah. person, to allow a person in, right? For a person right. to say like, okay, I'm gonna sit down. I've been doing this for so many years because there are many people that have done it for a long period of time and they're like, no, this is the way it's done. This is the way I want it to be done. But I think like, you know, if you're vulnerable to having those conversations, then you find people that can pull something different out of you than other people may not have been able to tap into. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that I'm always willing to do that. I like to have the comfort though. I did this. I don't want to be worried about it. I don't want to be vulnerable. But my circumstances haven't been that way. So. <laughs> well, that's, and you know what? It's called, we call that shared power. Okay. <laughs> how did, um, so how did you end up with, I guess, the, the variety show? Because you also had a variety show for a couple of episodes, correct? Uh, yeah, well, uh, the first one I had was with Clifton Davis, and um, yeah, we were both starring on Broadway, and um, CBS t TV came to uh, each of us and together, and that happened, but we broke up, and uh, those of us lost our careers, we didn't have managers, it, it, you know, we, everything was happening by luck, <laughs> and so uh, we went our separate ways, but later on, um, I got another TV show called Melba, and uh, once again it got started. But um, the um, the space shuttle blew up, and uh, uh, it just it destroyed a, a lot of things that were uh, in the makings for a lot of people. So that we were not able to, to pick that back up. Plus the relationship that I had with my uh, then husband, which was the uh, the company and everything that it came out of. The family broke up and all of that, so a, a lot of things just didn't work. I mean, permanently. So I had to go do something else, go back to music. <laughs> yeah. uh, originally, I guess you guys were supposed to be uh, standing the sorts for Carol Burnett. It, yeah, uh, the first yeah, the Melbourne Moore Clifton Davis show was a summer replacement, six weeks for Carol Burnett. And they w wanted to pick it up, but we had broken up and gone a separate ways, so that's why that didn't happen. So, because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about Carol, Carol Burnett's audience. Somehow mm -hmm. I don't feel like Carol Burnett's audience would necessarily be you and Clifton Davis' audience, but then as I was thinking about this, I was saying, like, I wonder if because of the Broadway experience you guys had, that it, if, it, if it just translated well to our audience, you know, was there, did you guys have any concern in terms of like stepping into our shoes? Carol Burnett was Carol Burnett then. You know, those were big shoes to fill. Huge shoes. <clears throat> um, and um, the normal way for anybody to get into television was, well, if you were white, you could get perhaps through, through uh, records. But having come through Broadway successfully, Clifton and myself, there was a natural connection to um, TV that, that was available to us, which was extraordinary. It was a natural connection. So if we were not, if we were not Broadway musical stars, that offer would not have been made to us. I agree. 
Mm -hmm. I definitely agree with that. What was it like to be young and black and to be a Broadway superstar during those times? Like, what was I? I just want. I would like to be like a fly on the wall. Like, what was it like to, to just during that time period? It's absolutely amazing. It's like you went to maybe, maybe a lower, but someplace in paradise, baby. <laughs> We still remembered you was black, but it was fabulous. <laughs> it was amazing. Because you could see doors were being opened to you and for you, you know? I mean, just, um, okay, so I was invited to do all of the best supper clubs. Uh, Clifton went to uh, Two Gentlemen of Verona, which was a, like, um, I think it was, yeah, it was a musical Shakespeare uh, play. Um, he, he was, he was, uh, one of the males, there were two male stars, a, a white one and him. And I think the one of the, the female co-stars was, her name was Janelle Allen. This was unheard of. They, they were the first in, in a kind of situation like that. And of course, that opened the door to television for Clifton. He's had several different TV shows. That would not have been offered to him if, it had, if he hadn't come through theater. Yeah. And he was, a, he was an amazing um, songwriter as well, right? Yes, he was. He, oh, the songs that uh, became famous for him was Never Can Say Goodbye, Looking Through the Windows, both of them recorded by Michael Jackson. Yeah. Whew. Right. I That's what I said. Like, I'm just thinking about, like, that time and, like, all that ta all that talent, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just always say to myself, like, I always think that do people realize or do people think when they're getting started like man I'm this is I'm gonna actually be this big like these are the things that I'm gonna accomplish and I and I do think like this that there's the power of actually putting stuff out in the universe mm -hmm. to act actualize it mm -hmm. but a part of me also says like I don't know if anybody ever sits around and actually says like you know I'm yeah I'm definitely gonna be this like you know like have you exceeded your expectations of what you would have done oh absolutely I, I'm still stunned <laughs> I'm stunned because you you can dream and everything, but to, to really feel and know what it's actually going to be like, you don't. Yeah. 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 And that's why, I guess that's why you got to have people actually remind you like, no, you're, you're Miss Melvin Moore. You, <laughs> you've done this. You've done that. This is, these are your accomplishments. You, you live with yourself. Right, so it's, it's really, yeah. You know, you've been blessed like this. Incredible. Uh, um, joy to be able to look back at some of the things now and kind of take it in yeah where where do you find that strength like i was saying saying earlier about passion but where do you find that strength to to rebuild to um to restore to reinvigorate because you know your, your story again is one of resilience and for some people they may have thrown in the town and said you know what i've had my run I'm done. I don't want to have anything else to do with the entertainment industry. I'm leaving showbiz alone. But you know, you seem to, you know, that's what I said earlier. Part of me feels like you seem to appreciate and enjoy that process of rebuilding. But you know, how do you, I guess how do you stay like how do you reinvigorate? Like what keeps you going with it? Well, <clears throat> I don't. I don't think it's it's me. I, I probably would have given up many, many, many times. But I'm a born-again Christian. What that means is that there, there is the presence of God that I respect. Mm -hmm. And so 
every day I get up, I say, okay, what you say? And then I go and I listen to, I'm, I'm a Catholic, so I, I go to church on the TV and he, he has what they call a liturgy. So there's a word for every day that he tells you what he's got, what he has for you. And he says, I got stuff for you to do. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, okay, I'm, I'm going to ask you to just take it one step at a time. Just, just what, am I what did I tell you today? And when I tell you, okay, you got it? Okay, now go out. Now, come back. What did I tell you? Because you're going to forget. <laughs> so you accuse me of being resilient, but I'm scared. <laughs> Look, you know what? I, I look. I appreciate your your, your your testimony, and I think that you're a testament to people that um that are a survivor of hardships. You know, and people, you know, especially people, I think people of color need to see somebody that is resilient and need to see somebody that has the accolades, the accomplishments that you have. You know, because there's there's a young lady, ten years old that can look to Melba Moore and say, you know what, this is a person who's been on Broadway, this is a person who's Grammy-nominated, won Tony Award, been in films, been in television, you know, if she could do it, I could do it, you know, the business knocked her down, but she got back up, right. you know, and, and, I, and I think that we, we need that, we need to see people look like for representation, you know? And we, we know that, but that's what God says, he says, that's why I gave it to you, because mm -hmm. if you don't keep going back to that, you, you get worn out because you, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. And that's why it is. It's kind of miraculous because if you can just keep going back to your source every day, and don't get tired of him. Because <laughs> we get tired. Yeah. We get tired. We're just people. Yeah. And that's the beauty. And that's why I said, like, you know what? Like, it's to be commended that, you know, that you have the ability to um to keep going you know like to, through, through all the trials and tribulations to keep going and to be successful what's next for miss noble moore well i'm i'm focusing on uh, making sure that i support uh imagine all the way that it may go so that we can tour with it and um uh hopefully that's going to take me into um 2023 I, I also uh, have some other projects going on. Uh, not, not projects, excuse me. Accolades that have been given to me, like uh, the uh, Hollywood Walk of Fame, the, the star. But also I've been given the uh, um, President Biden's Lifetime Achievement Award. There are some other accolades that I've been um, given. Uh, I'm already starting to tour. So I'm going to be at... Uh, um, Blues Alley on August 13th and 14th, I think. I go back to UK the the end of uh, I think the yeah the, the end of August as well. Uh, I have some concerts in the Hamptons that are primarily like theater oriented audiences. It's a live show, but it will be kind of theater based. So I'll do a lot of my uh, Broadway materials. Um, I, I have a lot of. Um, club or dance kind of uh, concert engagements uh, where I'll do a lot of my dance music primarily and then I have some places like City Winery where I'll probably do like a, a combination of um, uh, material in my live concert performances and then I have some invitations to do some film projects some um, um, animation uh, projects 
and some um, regional theater, Tyler Perry type projects. Beautiful, beautiful. Lots of good stuff. I love your humility. You just casually slid in, like, yeah, there's this thing called the Hollywood uh, Walk of Fame. I know, but I've been hollering so much. I, I see what I'm, t- what I'm saying. I can't holler it no more. <laughs> it's, look, holler it. <laughs> so many people have given me an opportunity to say it. I just, that's, I'm trying not to stutter now when I keep saying it, <laughs> say it articulately. <laughs> What did, what, you know, how was that? And then, and then I, you know, I'll, I'll let you go because I don't want to take up all your time, but how, what, what was the, what did you do during the, um, the pandemic? Like, what, what was Melbourne Moore into during the pandemic? Was Melbourne Moore binge watching on Netflix? Um, what, writing new material? Or what, what did you do during the pandemic? I was watching all my, my uh, TV ministers and going to the gym. And uh, uh, now a lot of the Christian networks have a lot of information regarding diet and um, vitamin supplements. Trying to see, okay, I'm a senior citizen now. How I keep what I got. And, you know, and, and um, maybe honing my, my discipline. And, you know, create a schedule for myself because um, maybe um, my work schedule is not there to do it for me. So create an infrastructure for myself. And uh, of course, one of the things that's, that's helping me is that since this project was really essentially brought to me by my daughter and I made her the executive producer of it, then we have to schedule everything. We have to, we, we're the record company now. We're the uh, promotion company. We're all of those things. So I guess I've been scaled up in terms of being um, my own business manager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you in that process? Yeah, but yeah, because well, because I have this major project too, and some others, it's given me something to create a um, a mechanism, you know, um, a skeleton around, and uh, uh, um, seasons and the different aspects of it, and how how to feed it from different aspects, and uh, um, how to portion it out to people, and not just wait for somebody to tell me what. I need to do with myself I need to be in charge of it. Yeah. yeah, I think I've been promoted in a way. Yeah, that's a wonderful thing. Well, thank you, Miss Melbourne Moore. I appreciate you again. Give me the opportunity to have this conversation with you. Uh, Grammy nominated, multiple times Grammy nominated, Tony Award winner, Hollywood Walk of Fame. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say it because you won't. Hollywood <laughs> Walk of Fame. Um, all around, just just a, a wonderful inspiration you know i appreciate you thank you that for everything that you've done and uh, you know i look forward to continuing to see your work all right and tell everybody where they can see imagination imagine so i say imagine imagination or you get all downloading and streaming uh platforms uh amazon.com and all the places that you can download it and buy it and it's called imagine and please support my project everybody stream imagine Thank you, Ms. Melbourne Moore. Appreciate you. Thank you.